Hey everyone, it is brilliant to be with you today and I would love to open in a word of prayer before we get stuck in. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are speaking to us all the time. Thank you that you are with us right now as we engage with you. And I ask that no matter where we are on the journey of faith, whether we are exploring faith and this video has been shared with us from a friend, whether we've known you for many years, wherever we are feeling at the moment life is taking us, I ask that you would speak to us. I ask that you would cut through distractions and you would challenge us to the core. And so I ask that my words would be your words and that you would bring an impact in our lives. In your powerful name we pray. Amen. Great, so we're continuing in Proverbs and there are people in the world who it appears, and you can see it, are naturally brilliant when it comes to diligence, organization, administration, long-term planning. They're the people whose desk is always tidy, their calendar is lined up correctly, and they know exactly what's happening from day to day. And then there are the people like me. Now, don't get me wrong, I love organization. I love it when things work. I love it when things operate properly. But personally, it is a real struggle for me. Take my car keys for example. Now, anyone would think it is very easy to know where your car keys are in your home at any point in time. For me, this is a daily struggle. Now, you sort of sit there going, especially if you're an organized person, and go, but Craig, that is the simplest thing. You put it in the same place, either on a hook or next to your bed or wherever, every day, and every day you won't have a problem. And I agree with you. I 100% agree with you. But personally, I still find it difficult. I spend at least, I don't know, five minutes a week and often on a daily basis trying to work out where I placed my keys. And so I would love to be more organized, but in myself, I just struggle in this area. So call it personality wiring. The bottom line is, is that whether you find diligence, planning, organization easy or not, it's absolutely important that we grow in this area if we're to achieve what God has called us to in the time in which we have on earth. And I'm deeply passionate about it. In fact, I'm so passionate about organization and structuring our lives that I produced a planner. It's called the Prism Planner. And the reason why I produced this is because I wanted to help myself and others structure our lives in light of eternity so that we can holistically grow as Christ followers. So I struggle with this immensely. And I produce this, I still struggle with it, even using this planner, but it's because I believe it is so important that we operate in a diligent and structured way. So today I want to talk from Proverbs and a few other passages as well on the problems and the dangers of lack of planning, laziness, sort of happy-go-lucky attitude. I want to look at the blessings of diligence. And then at the end, I want to look at one thing we need to be very careful of if we get better at planning and if we're naturally a good planning person. So firstly, we're going to contrast what Proverbs does, the goods and the bads when it comes to diligence and being hard working. Because you see, this is a huge problem in our society. There is a massive devastation um, when it comes to laziness and lack of planning. It may be financial ruin and often financial ruin leads to marital strife. Often it leads to problems with our children 
as well. Then there can be the lack of progression in life. So there may be people who, for some reason in a job, you can never progress further. You sort of are left out. You're never noticed. That can also be down to a lack of diligence. It may be a sloppy appearance that leads to the inability to find a job or a partner. We looked at that two weeks ago. And then there's the multitude of ways that laziness and lack of planning affects our lives when it comes to our children, being able to pay for them to have an education. Across the globe, millions are slaves to credit. And this is usually from a lack of of planning and it's also because of wanting something that we don't actually have the revenue for and we probably don't need others are living off the government and have children doing the same from generation to generation from a lack of diligence and hard work the inevitable overflow of destruction continues into every area of our life if we aren't good when it comes to a diligent lifestyle and Proverbs is brilliant on this. And most of the passages we're going to look at just now, you're going to see are specifically focused on the financial reward and blessing of being diligent. But there's also some amazing nuggets you're going to see that come out. So let's look at the contrast um, when it comes to being hardworking and not with financial reward. Proverbs 10 verse 4. Look at what it says here. Idle hands make one poor, but diligent hands bring riches amazing quite self-explanatory but if you live in idleness it's unlikely that you're going to be able to grow in financial reward proverbs 14 verse 23 there is profit in all hard work but endless talk leads on to poverty proverbs 20 verse 4 the slacker does not plow during planting season at harvest time he looks and there is nothing I love this in Proverbs 6, it's, it's all to do with the ants, and you're probably going to look at ants differently now. Look at what it says, go to the ant, you slacker. Some powerful words from the writers of Proverbs. Observe its ways and become wise. Without leader, administrator, or ruler, it prepares its provisions in summer. It gathers its food during harvest. How long will you stay in bed, you slacker? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep a little slumber, a little folding of the ha arms to rest, and your poverty will come like a robber, your need like a bandit. Aren't those some incredibly powerful and challenging passages around the area of financial reward? You see, God is so strong biblically about the area of stewardship. He gives us resources and abilities and giftings, and He then asks us to steward those and steward those well. And when we do, there's often reward that comes with it in an earthly sense, as well as even more importantly, in an eternal sense. And when we seek his kingdom, he gives us everything that we need anyway when we're diligent in that. So that's the financial reward side. And there's, there's a very clear link between hard work and faithfulness in that area and God providing for our needs. But what about this one in terms of positions of leadership? Maybe today you are here and maybe you're in sort of some sort of vocation and you're going, it just doesn't feel like I'm progressing at all in life. We'll look at Proverbs 12 verse 24. The diligent hand will rule, but laziness will lead to forced labor. Now I understand there's outliers. You may have come into a difficult situation through no fault of your own, but this phrasing, the diligent hand will rule. I believe that when you work hard and you're faithful and you're diligent, you're noticed by those above you. 
I would say that most people in positions of leadership have an element of diligence and hard work to them, which is why they've been able to progress. So if you're wanting to progress and you're going, but it just feels like I'm not being noticed, well, just ensure that you're acting diligently, that you are planning, that you're hardworking, and I have no doubt that God will get you where you need to be. What about a sense of a good day's work and fulfillment? Proverbs 13 verse 4 says, The slacker craves, but has nothing yet the diligent is fully satisfied. At the moment with our girls, we're going through the books, The Little House on the Prairie. So I think it starts with The Little House in the Big Woods and it moves on and our girls are just loving this. And it goes back a few hundred years and it talks about the hard lifestyle of people in America setting up life from scratch, building their houses by hand with nothing else to it. But you get the sense as they sit around the fire in the evenings, after all of them have done their chores and duties, there's such a sense of peace, of rest, of fulfillment. Why? Because they've worked hard, they've been diligent, and each of us can have that same reward if we're prepared to put in the work. The final one that I'll, I'll pull out in terms of this contrast of the benefits and the problems. Proverbs 12 verse 11. The one who works his land will have plenty of food, but whoever chases fantasies lacks sense. This is about faithfulness. It's about longevity. It's about commitment to something for a period of time. Now in Zimbabwe where we live, where we've had immense amounts of hyperinflation, it's often led to people trying to make a quick buck, trying to get into a scheme to either make money back that's lost or to quickly generate it before there's a devaluation. And the problem with this is it can lead us to commit to things for a short period of time and suddenly jump to the next, to focus on something for a few minutes and suddenly jump to the next. But in God's economy, and so often this is summed up in terms of farming and planting and watering and growing, in terms of His economy, rewards come through hard work and faithfulness. And so maybe you're someone who jumps from one thing to another and God will be challenging you today to say, just assess what God wants you to do and then get stuck into it with all that you have. So those are some of the problems and some of the blessings. What about the danger of being diligent? And you might go, Craig, I'm an organized person and I think it's brilliant. And I plan things miles in advance and, and that's just what I do, that's who I am. You might be sitting here more like me going, this is a struggle for you, but all of us need to know that there is a very big danger in being diligent. And it actually is shown so clearly from Solomon who wrote and compiled much of Proverbs. And I wanna read this as we get towards the close today because I think it is vital that we see a big problem with diligence. So it's in 1 Kings 6, and I'm actually going to read this chapter, and you're only going to see exactly why I've read it at the end and how powerful it is. So it's about Solomon building the temple. So Solomon was king um, of Israel, and he spent a huge amount of time building God's temple perfectly. Look at what it says. Solomon began to build the temple for the Lord in the 418th year after the Israelites came out of Egypt, in the fourth year of his reign over Israel, in the month of Ziv, which is the second month. The temple that King Solomon built for the Lord was 90 feet long, 30 feet wide, 45 feet high. The portico in front of the temple sanctuary was 30 feet long, extending across the temple's width, 15 feet deep in front of the temple. He also made window, windows with beveled frames for the temple. 
Don't worry too much about the numbers. He then built a chambered structure along the temple wall, wall encircling the walls of the temple. That is the sanctuary and the inner sanctuary. He made the side chambers and it goes on to a little bit of space that he does. Verse 7, the temple's construction used finished stones cut at the quarry. Now this was all done by hand. We need to remember this time. So that no hammer, chisel or any iron tool was heard in the temple while it was being built. The door for the lower side chamber was on the right side of the temple. They went up a stairway to the middle chamber um, from the middle to the third. When he finished building the temple, he paneled it with boards and planks of cedar wood. He built the chambers along the entire temple, joined the temple with cedar beams. Each story was seven and a half feet high. Now the Lord keeps talking to him and saying, this is how you need to build it. When Solomon finished building the temple, he paneled the interior temple walls with cedar boards. From the temple floor to the surface of the ceiling, he overlaid the interior with wood. And then he overlaid the floor with cypress boards. So he's building this to perfection, something beautiful for the time in which he lived. Then he lined 30 feet of the rear of the temple with cedar boards from the floor to the surface of the ceiling. And it goes on and talks more about the cedar paneling in verse 18. And it was carved with ornamental gourds and flower blossoms. Everything was cedar, not a stone could be seen. So just immensely valuable, difficult to get, but beautiful. He wasn't finished with it yet. He prepared the inner sanctuary inside the temple to put the Ark of the Lord's Covenant there. Now what he does is the interior of the sanctuary, he overlaid with pure gold. So you must imagine the size of this, 90 feet long, I think 30 feet wide, so sort of a, a huge amount, 10 meters. And he's now overlaid this with pure gold. Next, Solomon overlaid the interior of the temple with pure gold. He hung gold chains across the front of the inner sanctuary and overlaid it with gold. He added the gold overlay to the entire temple until everything was completely finished including the entire altar and the inner sanctuary. So just picture this for a moment, completely gold, not fake gold, but real. In the inner sanctuary, he made two cherubim, sort of angel looking creatures out of olive wood. And he talks about the sizes of those. We're getting towards the end. You've got to stay with me here. Talks about the sizes of them. He puts them in the inner temple and he lays them out in a, in a specific way. Verse 28, he overlays them with gold. He carved all the surrounding temple walls with engravings, with palm trees, flower blossoms, and cherubims. He overlaid the temple floor with gold again and the outer sanctuary. So even outside, he's now overlaid it with gold. The end bit, he talks about the entrance and what the entrance looked like. And then it talks over here in verse 35. He carved cherubim, palm trees, and flower blossoms. He overlaid them with gold. He built the inner courtyard with three rows of dressed stone and a row of trimmed cedar beams. Now we're getting to the key point. The foundation of the Lord's temple was laid in Solomon's fourth year in the month of Ziv. In his eleventh year in the month of Bull, which is the eighth month, the temple was completed in every detail and according to the specification. So he built it, listen to this, in seven years. So it took Solomon seven years to build the temple in perfection. Next verse. Solomon completed his entire palace. So he's built the temple. He completed his entire palace complex after 13 years of construction. Look at that contrast. Solomon was an incredibly disciplined, diligent, and detailed man. 
And look at what he managed to achieve. He built the temple perfectly in seven years, but then his palace, not God's home, his palace, he took almost double the amount of time to build. So the question must be asked, and there's a lot about Solomon moving away from the Lord towards the end of his life. The question must be asked. He was incredibly diligent building God's temple, but he spent double the amount of time probably building something of far greater and far more amazing um, power and, and, and beauty to look at on his own rather than on God's temple. The same could be said for the story of Mary and Martha when it came to diligence. Some of you may know the story. You see, Martha was an incredibly diligent lady. Jesus came to the home and she was going for it. She was cooking meals and she was making sure everyone had a place to sit. She was making sure everything was clean and that there was water to clean people's feet. And Mary sat there and Martha got angry and Martha said, hey, Mary, come on, help me with the work. And Jesus actually stopped her and he said, Martha, do you know what? Mary is actually doing the right thing, sitting in my presence. Yes, there's a time to be diligent like you are, but actually being with me is even more important. So if you're naturally organized and you're great at getting things done like Solomon was, like Martha was, you need to watch out that your organization does not become your sense of purpose and that it does not create productivity in areas that do not matter as much as in the areas that God has laid out for us. You see, we can be incredibly diligent when it comes to creating profit, incredibly diligent when it comes to our personal fitness, incredibly diligent when it comes to helping our kids with their homework. Those are all great things. But if those become the focus, rather than our diligence in pursuing God and His kingdom, there is a problem. Solomon was incredibly productive and successful, but the focus was orientated towards himself spending 13 years building his palace rather than God's kingdom spending almost half the time building the temple. Martha was super organized, provided food and kept the home, but she missed out on the best thing. You see, we can so easily believe that our diligence makes God love us, that our diligence gives us the sense of worth. And in fact, we can look down on people who just aren't as organized and as planned as we are. And the Pharisees were great at this in the Bible. They were the religious leaders and they were brilliant at doing things perfectly. And they looked down on everyone else who didn't fulfill exactly what they wanted it to be like. But their hearts were far from God. So, closing point. Our heart for God's kingdom must be the driver of our diligence anything else and we will fall short of God's kingdom work. The only way for us to be part of God's gospel advance and for our works and diligence to mean something for his kingdom is if our heart behind our diligence is about advancing his kingdom. So end of points. If you struggle with diligence and organization, ask God for help. Ask someone who is great at organization to help you in the process to be all that you can for God's kingdom. If you thrive at diligence, see who you can help. See who you can help in the process. See how you can better other people's lives. And for everyone, we need to be aware that the danger of diligence is that becomes our sense of purpose rather than God's kingdom. And so ultimately, let's have a kingdom focus for our lives. Imagine if Jesus Christ wasn't diligent in what he did. 
Imagine if he was lazy in creation and he was a bit sloppy in the world in which he made. Imagine if he was, um, if there was lack of planning in the world in which we live and the world to come. No, God plans to perfection because he has the, br- the perfect heart behind it. And even in the midst of sin, his plan and his purpose will prevail. So let's pursue diligence. Let's honor God with our time and let's use our diligence and our effectiveness in what we do for God's glory and for his fame in the time that we have on earth. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for every person here. I want to thank you for those who are brilliant at organization and administration and for those of us who struggle in that area. Heavenly Father, we have a short time to live on earth. We have things that you've called us to do. You've, uh, we're your workmanship created for good works in Christ. I pray that each one of us, wherever our struggle is, that we would use our time wisely effectively so that we can help advance your kingdom in the short time that we have on earth. In your amazing name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for being with us. And if you have any struggles or any queries, please get in touch with us um, in the comments below. And uh, you can find us on the website or on social media. But we want to serve you as a church in the best way that we can. I want to thank you for your generosity. It's been so exciting over this difficult time to see how we've been able to pour resources and pour foodstuffs into orphanages, into communities that are struggling, into people who are really struggling amongst us. So I just want to thank you for it. We're going to be sending out more in the next few days about exactly what we've been up to. But we are just so grateful and it's such a privilege to be part of God's family together. If you are exploring faith, please get in touch. We want to help you on the journey of coming to know King Jesus. So thank you so much for being with us and have a brilliant rest of your day. Thank you.